Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining in with us. Let's see. Well, we'll get some people on here live soon enough, but uh, as I've been saying in recent days, a lot of you are watching the recordings of this, and that's great. Uh, so I hope you had a good day today. And this is day number four of our weekday devotions on the book of Acts. We're calling it Christ in the Crisis and this will go all the way up to May the 31st, which is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, on that day, we're going to be finishing up this whole journey. Acts is 28 chapters long. And uh, it's one of the best books in the Bible about how to live with hope even in times of crisis. And you will discover in the book of Acts, you basically have one crisis after another. Uh, we talk about what we're living through now in the 21st century, but um, it's uh, it's always good to to uh, uh, look at the way that Christians lived historically, and uh, there's much to learn from that. And this is from the church in uh, in her infancy um, in the Book of Acts. Okay, so uh, every Sunday we'll do a message, and every weekday we'll do a little mini-message. And you'll want to watch, those of you who don't know already, I'll put the notice on the screen here for you. Uh, you will want to watch because on the 31st of May, we're going to give an iPad away to the winner of a, an electronic quiz that we will do that's going to be based on the Book of Acts. So if you're watching these devotions and you're keeping track every every weekday and you're joining with us on Sunday mornings, you are strongly increasing your odds of winning that iPad. And it's going to be much harder than the Easter quiz. Uh, the Easter quiz we did, and that was a big hit, so we're going to do a Pentecost quiz, and uh, we'll see who, who takes home the big prize. But it's a good way to get your uh, your mind into the Bible and, uh, and grow in your knowledge and your understanding, your relationship with God. I encourage you to share these posts with friends. Share them with, with friends who are atheists. I mean, share them with people. Uh, we're talking about the hope we have in Christ. It's a spiritual hope. And it transcends the 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 temporary things that are happening in our lives. And uh, it's only the hope that we have in Jesus that uh, can secure us no matter what we face even if we face the grave itself. So that's what we're talking about as we look through the pages of the Scripture together. We're in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we just started this last night, uh, finished up Acts chapter 1 and starting Acts chapter 2. And I just want you to see something um, uh, very uh, uh, closely here. It's just a very short passage. Yesterday we looked at uh, when the day of Pentecost came and what Pentecost was. They were all together in one place. Uh, we, are, we are pretty sure we know who the they are from Acts chapter 1. Um, were there 120 of them? Perhaps. It says they were all together in one place. What place? We're not entirely sure. It could have been the room that they were staying in in Acts chapter 1, the so-called upper room, but we're not 100% sure. And verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Hmm. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on 
each of them. Just stop there for a moment, okay? So remember, we have the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, this harvest holiday. And uh, on that day of Pentecost, this 50 days after the second day of the Hebrew Passover, you had this experience that happened. And remember, Jesus promised that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. doesn't give much description as to what it will look like. And so what you have here on the day of Pentecost are two critical things that you have to notice before we get into the rest of it. Um, there is a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Now, it does not say that there was a violent wind. It says there was the sound like the blowing of a violent wind, interesting language, and uh, it came from heaven or presumably from above somehow. Uh, so, uh, and then there are, they have a, a vision, so they hear something, the sound of a violent wind, and they see something, what seemed to be, so Luke is trying to use language to try and describe it, what seemed to be, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Two elements, wind and fire. And in this case, the sound of a violent wind and fire, vision of fire. Now, um, if you, I don't know if you've been listening uh, at in the middle of the night, the last week or so, there has been a couple of nights with the sound of a violent wind. Uh, and that was caused by wind. Here, it's interesting. Again, it doesn't say that there was actually wind. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, but Luke doesn't say. There was certainly the sound of it. Why is wind important? Well, when we look at wind in the Bible, and we look at the, uh, the word used for spirit in the Bible, uh, spirit is a Greek word, uh, uh, pneuma, and in Hebrew, ruach. And you would translate this in English, spirit, or wind, or breath. And so here you have an, um, a very clear image that's being put into our minds as we read this. And the people who experienced it, would have, their brains would have been jogged. You have the sound of wind. And w when you see wind and you trace wind through the scripture, you often see it is a manifestation of the presence of God. Interesting, Jesus, in John chapter 3, he's talking to um, Nicodemus, and Jesus talks about wind, doesn't he? I'll just pull up the passage here. Um, John chapter 3, when he meets Nicodemus at night, what does he say? Uh, he says, you must be born of the Spirit, you must be born again. In verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Note the correlation between wind and Spirit that Jesus is drawing here. Uh, we see Jesus, when he calms the storm, they say, even the wind and the waves obey him. Uh, so we do see wind uh, very clearly throughout the scripture. And here, the, the, what clearly is happening, what Luke is doing, is he's drawing a parallel 
between the presence of the Spirit, which you see uh, in the in the ensuing verses, and this sound of the wind. Okay, and then you see this fire that he talks about; these tongues of fire that separate and seem to rest on each one of them. Uh, Matthew and um, Luke. Uh, record John the Baptist saying that uh, after me comes one more powerful than me, um, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the disciples who experience this thing on the day of Pentecost, what's going on there before you talk about the languages and all the rest of the chapter is very clear in their minds. They're dealing with a manifestation that is not natural. It's a supernatural manifestation of the presence of God. That's what they would have been thinking when they heard this wind and they saw this fire. It would have been completely convincing proof to them that God is doing something very, very particular right here, right now. This wind represents his spirit, and so does this fire. It's his presence. And then you see what happens in in the following verses, and we'll get to that tomorrow and talk more about that on Sunday, okay? So um, uh, moral of the story uh, uh, tonight, uh, God is not just natural. Okay, God, God certainly works in the natural. I mean, we're praying uh, for God to give wisdom to people who work in the in the field of medicine and, and immunology and all of that and whatever words there are, you know, to to come up with a vaccine uh, for this this awful uh, uh, new virus. Okay, that's a natural remedy, and God certainly works naturally, but God also works supernaturally he rises above uh, the natural world and the laws of nature that he established and he often circumvents those things and he often goes way above that and he can operate any way he wants there's no restrictions god has no restrictions in your own personal life he can work naturally he can work spiritually he can work supernaturally and he can do whatever he wants so open open your own thinking to the reality of the supernatural, because that's who God is. God is spirit, Jesus said, and the true worshipers of him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God bless you tonight. Keep persevering. Keep uh, keep focusing on God. And uh, and again, thank you for sharing this post. And, and we will be back with you again tomorrow night. Have a great evening, everyone.